0: Father, Lord, King, Messiah, Savior, I pray that today would be about you, that we would make much about you. We have a tendency in our hearts to make things about us, Father. You know that about us. You love us through that. God, today I pray that you would reveal it to us, that we might be cleansed of it, so that you might receive glory from our lives, God, by us being made small, and the greatness of your glory being revealed through us. Lord, today is resurrection day. Pray that we would not make this about us, but we would make it about you. Thank you, Father, for loving us the way that you do. And thank you more so for being who you are. We pray that your glory be revealed now. In the name of Jesus, our King, amen. Sometimes, as a pastor, we give a lot of examples. Sometimes, as a pastor, you become the example. And today is Easter Sunday, and I'd spent a lot of time thinking about what I was going to wear. I had a, a, a nice blue springtime-looking shirt that I had, and I even wore, um, I even wore dress pants today. And as I was sitting there, and this is not to condemn anyone who dressed up today, because I know that's what we do, and I get it, but God convicted me. In my heart, I had to ask myself the question, did I dress up today for him or for me? And I know as I look around that 90% of the people here are dressed up. I get it, right? And I also know that there are many people in this room today that won't understand what I'm saying because you're not a Christian. My prayer is that before you leave here, you will be. But if you're not, then you won't understand what I'm saying today. The typical method for Easter for a pastor is to say something that will inspire you, to say something that will just wow you that will bring you to your knees and you will be in awe and you'll want to come back next Sunday to this place. The reality is, is that if I do that, if I try to wow you, if I try to to say something that's going to blow you away, or if I prepare ad nauseum to try to make you hear something unique or something different that you're not going to hear at any other church this Sunday, then then it will wow you and, and it will make you want to come back. So many people in their lives are searching for change. They're searching for, I need something different. Things aren't going right in my life. Could be relationships, could be money, could be you name it, right? And we keep looking for something that we can do to change things. We keep looking for something that we can do to make them different. I'm going to tell you from my own personal experience, the only thing I've ever been able to do is to die. To die. The only way I've ever been able to have change really happen in in my life is for me to get rid of myself. To quit now, you won't go to many church services today in Calhoun County and hear the pastor say that what you need to do is quit. As a matter of fact, when we read the Bible so many times, we like to read passages that we like to twist and make them look like they're wanting, they're wanting God to lift us up. Okay. Now, you have to bear with me because if you're not a Christian, you won't understand what I'm saying, but if you're a Christian and you really think about it, this is really what goes on. We want to read passages of Scripture that lift us up as if if God is is pushing us to the top and saying, you are great, and you are mighty, and you are wonderful. Do you really think that that's what God hopes to do in our lives, is to make much about us? Is that really what you think goes on when you read Scripture? See, what, what you may not know about Scripture is that God is consumed with His own glory, That's truth. That's the real God of this Bible. See, we tend to take Scripture and twist it in such a way that it becomes about our glory. And we even take Easter and twist it in such a way that it becomes about us. We take the resurrection, the very power of God, and we tend to twist that and make it about us. Did God die to save us? Absolutely. But I want you to know that he did it because he was consumed with his own glory. I want you to understand that it is not so much about you being being resurrected from your death to life, so much as it is about God's love for you in such a way that he did that for you. It's about the love, it's about the love that he had for you. That's what we should worship. It shouldn't just be about the fact that I'm saved. It should be about the fact that God loved me so much that I'm saved. Do you see the difference? You see, when I was little, man, I must have been tiny. I must have been so little. I I was probably in preschool. I don't even know if this happened or if I dreamed that it happened, but I'm pretty sure that it happened. But I lived in North Carolina, and my mom had taken me swimming to this place that from what I can remember, it had a concrete bottom, but it was like a lake. You know what I'm talking about, those places? They used to have them around here, but, so it's got a concrete bottom, but it's got dirty water, right? And I remember, man, I was excited about the fact that I was grown now, and I was playing in, in the water by myself, and I could see my mom up there on the shore. And, and and I I remember like jumping up and down on the edge of the deep end. Oh, what a what a, a parody for life, right? That's us. I was jumping up and down on the deep end, the edge of the deep end, right? And I thought I was good. I thought I was fine. I thought everything was going great. And then, then, then I slipped, right? I slipped, and I was under the water just like that. And, of course, my mom, and you, you, many of you guys know my mom. Clothes and all, man. I remember seeing the necklace. I mean, she just dove in. And I was choking. I was gagging. I mean, I was cheap, but she snatched me up so fast. I think we both walked on water back to, the, <laughs> back to the shore. And you say, man, that's a great story about you being rescued, Kenny. But, man, I think it's a great story about a mom's love for her child. I think that we've even taken church and and, and made it about us. And the reality is it's supposed to be about the glory of God. It's supposed to be about who he is and what he did. And we have taken it in such a way that we've turned it into a self-help seminar. And so long as we come out of here feeling better about ourselves and we feel like we've accomplished something. There are numerous churches that do this. They have twisted it in such a way that it does not be it's not about God any longer. It's not about his love for his people any longer. It's about the people themselves. And we exalt people. The Catholic Church is one of the worst. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's it's unfortunate that our human nature is to take things, take something as precious as the glory of God, the resurrection of God even, and to twist that and turn that into being about us. My prayer today is that you will just see Jesus. That you will see His love for His people and you will see that through His Word. One of the very famous passages in Scripture that even the Catholic Church likes to point to, is when Jesus makes a declaration about Jesus. Excuse me, when Peter makes a declaration about Jesus. And this is something that that a lot of people know in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, it says this, and Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples who the people say the Son of Man is. Well, they replied, some... Say that John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he asked him, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Is this about Simon Peter? is this passage about Simon Peter. Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church. Does that mean that Simon Peter, Peter who he called the rock, is that where Jesus is going to build his church? On a man? That God who created the stars in the heaven and tells the waters and the oceans where to stop, that he's going to build his church on a man? I think it's... Deeper than that. I think it's much deeper than that. I think that God is not relying on a man to build his church. I don't think that God is relying on each of every one of us to do something to build the church. I believe that God and the love he has and the fact that Peter became Peter, he became a changed person as a result of Jesus Christ. See, he was Simon before. And that's why at the beginning of the passage it says Simon. See, he was Simon before. Now, Simon was a brash, boastful idiot, basically, right? He he would take over the conversation if he was in the midst of one. He would be the one that would be, you know, you know the kind of dominant personality, type 1 personality I'm talking about, type A personality where they just kind of take over everything. And, And he would, a lot of times, say some very stupid things. Do you think that Jesus was relying on this guy named Simon to be the foundation of the church? No. It was the transformation that happened to Simon when he became Peter, when he became the rock that Jesus named him to be. That's the power of God. That's the transforming power of God. And on that transforming power, that is what God builds the church. The fact that he has the power to transform, to make new, to recreate, to take what, it, what is basically foolish and make it wise. That's the rock on which Jesus builds his church. The transforming power, the transforming work that God does in people. Apart from Jesus Christ, the church is just a bunch of people gathered together. We might as well be eating popcorn and watching a movie. It has to be about that transforming power that that comes from God and from God alone. So, if you're sitting in a church service, if you're sitting next Easter in, in in another church maybe, my prayer is that you look down. You look down at your clothes and say, Man, I look nice. My prayer is that you look down and say, man, is this about Jesus? Am I dressed differently? Do I I look different because of what Jesus has done in my life? life? Or or does my life look the same, actually? Does my life actually look like it used to look? And there's really no transforming work done in my life, but really I just dressed up the outside to make it look like that there is. Jesus would call this a whitewashed tomb. That we just painted the outside and made it look new. Made it look clean but it's empty and it's dead on the inside. I don't think that there's anything wrong with dressing up for church on Sunday. I don't think that there's anything wrong with dressing up for church on Easter Sunday. I do think that there's something wrong with pretending. I do think that there's something wrong with pretending. Don't you to think about another situation. Let's go back to Peter because, you know, a lot's been made about Peter. The, the Peter this, Peter that, and, and we want to talk about Peter. You remember Peter walking on water, right? Like that's a, a big well-known passage everybody knows about, Peter walking on water. And, and he, says, he says, Jesus, is that you? And he's like, yeah, man, come on out here. The water's fine, you know. He's like, if you call me, I'll come, Jesus, you know. And, and, and Peter steps out on the water and begins to walk on water toward Jesus. And then what happens? We know we take, he takes his eyes off Jesus, and then he begins to sink. Let me ask you a question. Is that passage about Peter? It's not about Peter at all. It could have been Kenny Nick standing out there on the water. It could have been Willie standing out there on the water, you know? It's about the power of God, the glory of God, the fact that God's glory was revealed by Peter walking on the water, that God is teaching us and showing us something through Peter walking on the water. But we can't worship Peter. The worst kind of thing that we can do is to worship something else that isn't God. And when I say Peter, I want you to think about replacing Peter with the word me. Me. Because that is our biggest enemy. If you want to know what our idol worship is, it is us. That's why we have a tendency to dress us up on the outside as opposed to dressing us up on the inside by spending four hours in prayer before a Sunday morning service. I mean, like, we have a tendency to worship ourselves. This this right here This is my greatest enemy. It's not the devil. It's not Satan, him out there doing this, doing that. No, 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 no. No, no, my greatest enemy is right here, standing right here, because I know what I'm capable of. I know what goes on inside of me every single day. I know me. I know I'm my worst enemy. I know I'm more likely to worship myself than I am to worship God. So let's look at Peter. Let's continue on in that same passage. It says, Jesus sternly warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, he is basically confirming what Simon Peter has said. But it is about the transforming power of God. It's about the power of God. He says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Do you think he's literally talking about Peter? Or do you think he's talking about the power of God through Peter? From then on, Jesus began to tell the disciples plainly that it was necessary for Him to go to Jerusalem and that He would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, and the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed. And on the third day, He would be raised from the dead. This is what we celebrate today, right? So here He is telling His closest friends, the ones that He has revealed to you, I am the Messiah. I will build my church on the transforming work of God. The transforming work that you have seen in and through me, I will build the church on that. And here he is telling his closest friends, I have to die. But on the third day, specifically the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But look at Peter. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. You know how ludicrous that sounds? (laughs) That we would in human form be able to reprimand the man that we he has just revealed that he is the Messiah. He's the Son of the Living God. Peter has just said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, and then he begins to reprimand Jesus. I don't think that's wise. Jesus has just told him what's about to happen and then Simon's going to tell him, no, it's not. I know that you're the son, of the son of the living God, but i got a better idea about how things are supposed to go down. My way is much better, God, than whatever your way is. I like my plan a lot better than I like your plan, God. They didn't make a movie about uh, me and... My family's loss of our daughter, they didn't make a movie about it. You know why? Because she died. If there would have been, you know, something that, that by the world standards they would have considered to be miraculous where, you know, the brain tumor would have disappeared and, and, and man, it's because we had been laying over her bed and praying and then all of a sudden something great happened and, and all this kind of stuff, maybe they would have made a movie about us. I know that there's a movie called Breakthrough that's out there now about this little boy who fell through the ice and they prayed and prayed and prayed and he was alive and that is wonderful and that tickles my soul to death to hear that. But the reality is the only time that you have real peace is when you do what the lady did. I only saw the preview, but but what the lady did is, God, I surrender. I surrender to your authority, to your power, to whatever you say. I am good with it. I can tell you that when my daughter died, when I sat there and held her hand while she took her last breath, when I watched the heart monitor stop and go flat, I promise you that all I could do was surrender. And the only way I would have peace in my life would be to surrender. Then I was able to, to lay at her bedside, to put my head down on her arm and pray and thank God and praise God for what he had done and the fact that he had given us that little girl even though it was for for only a few years, that he had given us those few years with her, that we had grown to love her. But even though we grew to love her, we never loved her as much as he did. And I was so thankful. But I'm telling you, when those situations happen, the only thing you can do is surrender. To say no to yourself and no to the things that you want, your plans, your desires, your motivations, to say no, no, no to you. And say yes to him. There is so much freedom in that. There is so much power in that. To surrendering to that power that exists in Jesus Christ. He reprimanded him. For saying such things. Heaven forbid Lord. This will never happen to you. God, I have got a better plan. I've got a better way. If you will listen to me, I promise my way is better. How many times do we have this same reprimanding of Jesus that goes on in our own hearts? God, I don't want to trust you completely. I just want to trust me completely. And you come alongside to lift me up and to keep me elevated and keep me high so that I'm number one. And instead, you know what? You know, it really gives you the freedom. You know, it really gives you that peace that surpasses all understanding. When you say, you know what, God, it all belongs to you, and I'm just going to hold on to you because you are at the highest of the high. You are the one that I can hold on to. The only reason I have any strength at all is because of you and who you are and what you've accomplished and the love that you have for me. That is the only way I can bear to stand. And when we hold on to Jesus in that way. And when he is number one and we say, God, whatever you have planned, I I am on board with that. Two things happen. One is there's a peace that you cannot explain that will wash over you. And there is a freedom that you will experience in Christ that, that you can't even explain to other people that don't know Jesus. I can remember distinctly when... When Kenneth was having her surgery, and, and they, they told us, your daughter has a brain tumor. This was the day before. She has a brain, a brain tumor the size of an orange inside of her head. We have to do surgery. We have to get it out right away. We're going to do surgery first thing in the morning. I was terrified. Terrified. Kenneth was too. Told you this story before. I'll tell you again. Because it's a testimony of the power of God. Kenneth is laying there in the ICU, and her eyes are... She can't barely stand to open her eyes because her her head hurts so bad because this brain tumor has finally reached the point where it's just crushing her brain, and she can barely stand to open her eyes and have light enter into her eyes, okay? And I am just beside her bed weeping. Just holding her hand, just crying, you know. And I'm trying not to let her hear me cry because her eyes aren't open, so she doesn't really, she can't see me crying, so I'm hoping if I just stay quiet enough, she won't actually hear me crying. And she says, Dad, I'm scared. Dad, I'm scared. Now, there's nothing else in the world that could be worse than hearing that right there. Because I was scared too, and there's nothing I could say that would comfort her. The only thing I could say is this. I said, I said, Kenneth, what do we do? when we're scared she said well we pray and we talk to God about it I didn't have anything to fear after that I said Kenneth do you want daddy to pray for you she said no dad I got this I'm going to pray being rescued from her brain tumor that would have been an amazing story that would have been a wonderful story to to be able to stand up here and tell you that she's alive and well and she's working back there in the kids department but that's not the story the story is that Kenneth trusted her heavenly father the story is that God loved her more than I ever loved her the story is Not that you were rescued from your sin, but that God loved you enough to rescue you from your sin. We don't worship the salvation that we have. We worship the fact that He loves us enough to provide salvation for us. You see the difference? You see the difference? See, we're always hanging on to the end of the the story. The story began... The story began at the point where his love began. That's where the story began. Peter is telling Jesus, I've got a different plan. Heaven forbid it goes down this way. Lord, there's no way that it's going to happen this way. Look what Jesus says to to Simon Peter who has just reprimanded him. Jesus turned to Peter and said, can you imagine Jesus being in the middle of the whole group and Simon Peter has pulled him away, and, and Jesus is... I just, I just picture Jesus is probably looking back at his friends, thinking about them, and Simon Peter is giving him this garbage in his ear, and he just stops. He's like... And he looks at him. It says, it says Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things from merely a human point of view, not from God's. Oh, isn't that us? Isn't that us? You see, from our point of view, none of us would sacrifice our child for everybody else. But from God's point of view, that's exactly what needed to happen. And for for a person to say that there's got to be a different way, that there's got to be some other way, that's from Satan. That's from Satan. When it became Peter's point of view and and Peter's desires and his heart and his motivation, that was from Satan. Satan. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, listen carefully to what it says about being a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to know this. You must give up your own way. You must give up your own way. Oh, boy. Everybody thinks that that's about about sin, right? Like like you're supposed to turn from your sin. Yeah, repentance, Kenny, I got it. Your own way. No, 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 no. It's not just about that. It, It is about turning from sin. It is about giving up your desires and your motivation. It's a different way of thinking. You've got to give up your own way of thinking. You've got to give up your selfish desires, your own motivation that is all about you. And you've got to change that so that it becomes about God. That my life no longer belongs to me, but it is about God. Because later on, Paul has to reprimand Peter for this very same thing. In Galatians chapter 2. Uh, Paul, Paul has come and, and he, he, he's talking to Peter because Peter has said, you know what? I agree with these people that have come and said, you need to be circumcised in order to be a Christian too. You need to have circumcision in order to be... And, and Paul calls him out on it. And he's saying, man, you're going by the old way of thinking. You're thinking according to the law. And, and most people take this particular passage out of context, but here's what it says When I tried to keep the law... It condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. My old way of thinking has been crucified with Christ. Not just sin. My old way of thinking about the law has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think we got to change our way of thinking. I think that we have to stop thinking the way that we always think. I think that we have to stop worshiping ourselves and focus on the love of God that is the very reason that, that we have to worship anything at all. He says, take up your cross and follow me. He goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, You will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, what? Most people are very confused by that. Very simple. I can just put it in simple terms for you. We spend a lot of time consumed with our own life, consumed with how to make our lives better try to do this, do that, do this, do that so that we can make our lives better, even so much so that we try to come to Jesus for the sole purpose of making our lives better. This is called the prosperity gospel, and this is a lie. The reality is that you come to Jesus saying, I trust you completely no matter if my life becomes better or my life becomes worse. That's where we get the the verse where, where, where Paul's talking because he's in prison and starving and hungry and thirsty. He says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It's not about Paul being able to do all things. It's about Christ Jesus who gives him the power to be able to do all things, to be able to live happy even though he has nothing. That is the way we we come to Jesus. We don't come to Jesus expecting something in return. We come to Jesus just so in love with His love for us. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What is he trying to say? He says, "Die to yourself." If you want real change in your life, if you want something to be different in your life, you got to die to yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It no longer becomes your motivation, your ways, your way of thinking. It's all of a sudden it's different now, and, and, and that's how you save your life is to die. It seems backwards to us, doesn't it? Because of human logic. How am I going to die in order to save my life? Well, that's exactly the way God says it, and that's exactly the way God means it. That you've got to allow everything to be turned upside down in your life. The way that you think has even got to be different than the way that you thought before. I remember talking about surrendering wholly to the the will of God. I remember distinctly right over here in the Target parking lot when Kenneth's brain tumor had recurred. And when they said their brain tumor recurred, that immediately means that she's probably going to die. When they told us that, that means that she's not going to live beyond that second recurrence of the tumor. Okay? And I had been praying, God, God, please heal her, please heal her, please heal her, please heal her. God, I need you so desperately to heal her body. God, I know that you can take the tumor away. I know that you can do this. I know that you can take every single cancer cell away from her body. And then I was driving over there in the Target parking lot, and it hit me. It hit me. I said, God, praise God. Her life is about you. And if she dies, and that's the way you desire for her life to be known, I just pray that you would receive glory from it. Peace came over me. Because now it wasn't about the end result. It wasn't about that anymore. It was about the surrender when she was having her brain surgery the next day right after she had been diagnosed and, and I remember they said they were going to have to cut her from here and shave her head and all this kind of stuff and remove her skull right here and I, I remember so distinctly giving that to God God, her, her life is in your hands I cannot be in there I, I, I am not a surgeon I, 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 I can't do anything to save her not even the, the people that are in there can do anything to save her apart from you you have gifted these people and anything that you've given these people to be able to rescue her right now, God, it comes from you. And I can tell you wholeheartedly that while she was in surgery and while they were removing her skull and taking the tumor out of her brain that I had a peace that I could not explain to you. I was perfectly at peace with the fact that she may die in the next few hours. There was perfect peace. I don't say that boastfully because that, did, that peace did not come from me. That peace came from God. All I had to do was die to my own selfish motivations, my own selfish ways. That's the only way I was going to experience that kind of freedom that could only come from God. If you want to save your life, then lose it. And lose it to save it. Jesus says, this is the way. This is the way that's from God. I said, what would it benefit you to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? Because because here he's talking about the reality of, of, of how you've got to come to him. You've got to come to him through death, through taking up your cross, from dying to yourself, allowing everything to be changed about you. Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I'll tell you the truth, some standing here will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, in in Luke, he talks about the same thing. But listen to the context in which he talks about it. He's talking about the the coming of Jesus. I just want to read this to you. It's not going to be up on the screen. I just want to read this to you. And and the world will be as it is in the days of Lot. People will be about their daily business, eating and drinking and buying, selling, farming, building, until the morning uh, Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rain down from heaven and destroy them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of the roof must must not go down from the house to pack. Or a person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you let it go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two men will be... Two women will be grinding flour together at the meal. One will be taken, the other will be left. Jesus is saying even when the kingdom returns, even when he returns to take his people home, there will be nothing you can do at that point. It will be about losing your life. When that day comes, you won't want to pack up. You won't want to get everything ready to go. You won't be worried so much about your life, your desires, your motivation. You'll just, you'll just be focused on God. If that is a pattern of your life, you will be the ones, one of the ones that will be taken. If you are so focused on your life and doing like Lot's wife did, holding on to this, holding on to that, he said, then, then I'll give you what you desire. You can have it. You can stay here with it while the others are taken. think if I were to ask everybody in this this place, man, if Jesus came back today, who wants to be taken? Who wants to be going with him? And everybody in here would raise their hand. Man, I want to go with Jesus. I want to be where he is. I want to be in heaven where where Jesus is. Is that the pattern of your life right now? Such that you really live as a foreigner here on this world, but your mind and your heart is so focused on Jesus that you're already there? Is that the pattern? Is that what your life looks like? Or is the pattern such that you're trying to focus so much on your life, your desires, your motivations, and trying to make your life better, that that's what matters most, that you're just asking Jesus, come alongside me, hold up my plans, keep me going. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I've got a plan instead of wholly surrendering to him. I know it may look like I'm about done, but I'm not about done. I still want our band to come on and make their way up here, but I need to talk to you wholeheartedly. I just need to have a conversation with you. Not, not preaching to you. This is me, Kenny Nicks, talking to you. Okay? As a friend, as somebody who's experienced a lot of junk in their life, I just need to talk to you. When you try to do it your own way you're going to fail when you take your desires and your motivations and try to put those on God and put those on your life you're going to end up missing it all you're going to miss everything you're going to think that you're making your life better you're going to think that you're making some improvements but I promise you that the only way that, that anything's going to change in your life is when God does the work the only way for God to do the work is for you to put your life in His hands, for you to die to yourself and say, God, it belongs to you. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Even my way of thinking is different now. The only way that you're going to be able to, to do something different is when you die to yourself. Jesus talks a lot about death. He talks about a lot, a lot about death and a lot about life. But the context in which Jesus talks about it, he talks about you dying to yourself. And the only way that you're going to find life is you're going to find it within Him. Some people in this room are trying to find it apart from Him. Some people in this room had come to an Easter service hoping that you would find an easier way, some, some six-point sermon that would be able to tell you how you can have a better life right now. some ways that you can do, some steps that you can take so that you can have a better life, so that you can be happier, you can be more at peace, you can be more this or more that. I'm telling you the only way that you can do any of those things or become anything different is for you to say no to yourself and yes to Jesus. There's no six-point plan that I can give you that's going to make that happen. You've just got to die. You've just got to quit. You've just got to say no. That's the only way it will happen. think about the disciples and you think about what was going on when Jesus was in the tomb and their lives were in disarray and they would just been having dinner with him they they had just sat down to a meal with him, breaking bread with him enjoying a meal with Jesus he starts talking about death and how he has to die and they're like, no man, no and Peter he says, you know what that guy over there, he's weak, but not me. If something goes down, I'm going to have your back. And Jesus looks like him and says, Peter, Peter, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. Before tomorrow happens, you'll deny me three times. No, 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 no. And everything that Jesus said is coming true. Don't you know that that was on Peter's mind while he was, while Jesus was in the tomb? Don't you know that that's what was on his heart? Thinking, man, I had told him I would. I had told him this. I had told him that. And the whole time, Jesus has said, you know what, Peter? The only way that you're going to be able to do anything is if you die to yourself. Take up your cross. Change your own way of thinking. Think about all the people that had worshipped him, been around. Maybe they fell down at his feet and, and sang, Hosanna, Hosanna, as he was coming into Jerusalem praising him for, for being God among us God has finally come to his people and now he was dead in a tomb I'm sure that they were trying to think what do I do now how do I turn things around how do I, how do I bounce back from this I, I put all my faith and trust in this, this guy and now he's gone I, what do I do now and the whole time God was at work tomb, that His Holy Spirit was there in the tomb, that His Holy Spirit was doing the work that the people could not do themselves. You see, God does it. God's the one that does the work. I was thinking about this this morning. Every, every kid knows the Bible story of Noah's Ark, right? Everybody that's ever, ever been to a Sunday school class, and even some people that have never ever been to a Sunday school class still know the story of Noah's Ark. Who shut the door? In Noah's ark. Does anybody know? God did, right? God shut the door. And God was completely justified to do that. He shut out all of humanity and said, You know what? You've sinned. You're wicked. You're nasty. You're awful. You're terrible. You've resisted me. You've pushed me out of your lives. I'm shutting the door. And what happens? The flood waters came. God flooded the whole earth. And you say, Man, that's a terrible God that would do that. He was completely justified in doing so. The whole world was wicked, sinful, and nasty. Think about it. God, perfectly righteous, was completely justified in doing what he did by wiping out all of humanity in the days of Noah. But I ask you a question. I ask you a question today. Who opened the tomb? The same God who closed the door. He opened the tomb, not so that Jesus could come out. We know in Acts that Jesus could walk through walls and doors without ever opening them. But Jesus, God, opened the tomb so that we could see that he was no longer there. See, it is the work that we cannot do. It is the work of God. That is what we are to praise. It is not us. It is not about us. Today, Resurrection Day, is not about us. It's all about God. If you have made Resurrection Day about you, then you're not a Christian. Resurrection Day is about the mighty power of God and His love, and we are to worship His love. We are to worship Him in His love about who He is and the power and might that can only come from God who has the power to change lives. Will you worship Him today? Will you worship Him with your life today? I'm talking about really worshiping Him. I'm not talking about singing some songs. I'm talking about worshiping Him with your whole heart. Will you worship Him the way He deserves to be worshiped? And if you are not a Christian and today God has spoken to you by the power of His Holy Spirit, will you worship Him by surrendering to Him? Will you worship Him by saying no to yourself and yes to Him? Stop worrying about what everybody thinks, what everybody might say, and just come to Him in full surrender and say, God, it is about your love and your grace and your mercy for me. It is not about me, but all about your love for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much God for your precious word. Thank you Father. God for convicting me. For showing me. For opening my eyes. God, your way is always better. There's always freedom in surrender to that. I'm thankful, God, that you have crushed me, that you have shown me, God, that you are the answer. And God, today, so much so much about the, even the church is made about us. God, I pray that we would not be that way, that we would make it about you. Father, thank you for this precious word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that we surrender now. In Jesus' name, Amen.